Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hi and welcome to the latest in our series of Bike Radar Meets podcasts. Um, today I'm joined by Bastien Donze, who zips Zip Wheels product manager. Um, so that means he looks after the the development and the creation of of all of Zip's lines of wheels. And today we want to talk about the major changes that have happened in wheel design over the last few years and what Zip's thinking is behind that uh, and the and the positives about how wheels are changing. So, hi, Bastian. Hey, Warren. Thanks a lot for having me today. Glad to be here. Great. Um, okay, so I'm just going to jump straight into it. Um, if we think of Zip and going back to, say, the Firecrest design, which which in its time was revolutionary, you know, it made every everybody jumped away from that kind of um, V-shaped aerodynamic rim, and you, you designed a wheel that ended up being a lot more balanced, a lot better in crosswinds. Um, but that wheel was fairly narrow we're talking of internal dimension around 17 mil now over the years things have changed you've broadened it and now we're up to 25 on the latest so what's what's the thinking behind um things getting fatter as it as it says <laughs> actually there's a there's been quite a lot of work and quite a lot of discussions behind this so um if if you allow me i'm just going to take a, a little step backwards you know and and restate something that that i think is important for for this conversation is is the fact that um zip you know we've always been motivated to to develop the fastest possible wheels and products for for cyclists and that's that's really what drives us like what can we do to make wheels that are faster so that people can can really go out and and achieve all of their goals you know that's that's really what what drives us every day how can we make people faster and uh, obviously zip was founded on on the notion of aerodynamics and interestingly you know 30 some years ago when zip was founded and and came up with this idea of aerodynamics there was a lot of pushback because at the time everything was about lightweight uh, you cannot make an aerodynamic wheel because it's so deep it's so heavy you know it's it's not going to climb so well it's not going to work so fast and aerodynamics not making any difference anymore anyway 
And, and yet we pushed and, and we did all of the testing. We came up with all the science and, and really proved that aerodynamic wheels and, and cycle components are really a great way to make you faster. So that was, that was a, big, uh, a big deal. And, and little by little, everybody else in the rest of the industry um, has embraced that trend towards aerodynamics, you know, like uh, for frames and helmets and, uh, and, uh, and, and wheels, obviously, to the point that um, aerodynamic is really now a completely recognized um, factor of performance and, and really one of the big ways uh, to make you faster. It's uh, what's interesting now is uh, you look at a whole lot of marketing material across the uh, the industry for, for for wheels and everything, and and you look at at all this gear and pretty much everything's really good right now in terms of aerodynamic performance and and some in some cases you know all the the difference between one wheel and the other is hard to demonstrate and you can always tweak the numbers but at the end of the day things are so close that they're not going to make a big difference for the um for the uh for the rider the cyclist so a few years back we we started to to think of okay that's great you know we've really pushed aerodynamic a lot and it's it's fantastic but what else can we do in order to make people ride zip products faster and uh, and a few years back is really when we started to 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 think and the industry started to think about rolling resistance and um, and, uh, and and efficiency maybe as the next big evolution for everything and uh, and that's when we started to look at this uh, what if aerodynamic is one of the factor one of the the the, the function of, of being fast but what if there are others what if rolling efficiency what if um, what else are we losing uh, what else is coming to uh, against us as a cyclist to make us slower and and rob us of, of energy and uh, and it was a it was a long long search it was a super interesting study uh, started with some trials, you know, like on the roads of Kona during the Ironman World Championships. We've been trying some different setups on every type of surfaces, some super smooth roads, some some pretty rough, uh, cheap and seal, for instance, road around Indianapolis where our headquarters are, uh, all the way to gravel. And uh, and one of the big uh, big thing that we we found, and um, uh, a story that also we've we've heard here and there is that. Regardless of the surface on which you're riding, you're going to be losing energy, losing speed to the vibrations that are coming from the road. And the narrower your tire, the higher your air pressure in the tire, the more those vibrations are going to come into the frame and into the cyclists. And one of the surest way to save a lot of energy and make you as a cyclist more efficient is to try and, and, and dampen those, those vibrations, um, reduce the effect of those vibrations to the, the body of the cyclist so that the, 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 the cyclist, the rider, can really focus on applying power to the pedals as opposed to fighting those vibrations to stay in control. And what we found is in some cases, you know, like uh, especially in a uh, specifically rough road. So I guess this is the, the, the key factor, isn't it? I mean, if you think back to those early days of Zip, um, the kind of perceived knowledge and everything that everybody believed there was that that kind of narrow was fast. You know, yeah. the pros were riding on 23 mil tubs at the largest, yeah. you know, and, and going down to almost, you know, almost like 19s for time trial, etc. Um Obviously, you need quite a lot of air pressure in that tire to, to stop it from just tearing itself apart um 
but then when you start to broaden the tire, you're you're changing the actual contact area, and it it almost seems counterintuitive uh, to a lot of people that by going broader you're making something faster. I mean, surely if it's if it's thicker, there's there's more surface. It it is absolutely counterintuitive, but uh, the truth is, and and the math and the science don't lie. You know, the truth is, larger tires are actually faster in terms of rolling efficiency. Uh, it, and it really has to do with the shape of the contact patch. When you have a narrow tire, your contact patch is pretty narrow and pretty long. When you have a large tire, your contact patch becomes wider for sure, uh, but it also becomes uh, shorter. And because of the curvature of the tire, you know, the amount of tire that deflects, um, the, the amount of uh, the, the, the area uh, of the tire that sags uh, is a little different. And, uh, and as a result, your efficiency is actually higher with a large tire than the lower tire. Obviously, you know, like this is for the same pressure in the tire. This is at the same weight. But another way of saying this is if you have the same cyclist, the same weight on a large tire at the same air pressure, the large tire is going to be faster. Or you can actually reduce the pressure in the large tire and you're going to be at the same efficiency as a narrower tire with a, a higher pressure. And really for us, this is, a, this is the big difference. It's, it's not a question of making a big difference on a, on a larger tire, because obviously if you reduce your air pressure, you're going to increase the frictions and you're going to be slower. But um, because the larger tire starts higher, uh, more efficient to, to, to begin with, uh, it really allows riders to run lower pressure. And that's where you're going to make all of the gain in terms of um, uh, vibration damping. So that's the big uh, that's the big thing. So contrary to popular belief, uh, a large tire is actually faster than a lower uh, a smaller tire, and and for us that's really what drove you know coming back to your question why did we go from a sixteen millimeter something uh, all the way to a twenty five? Uh, it's really because we believe that large tires are faster; they're better for your efficiency if you account for vibration damping cornering speed, confidence when descending, all of these are really beneficial out there in the real world. All of those factors you don't see in a wind tunnel, but when you ride a bike outside, those are all the, uh, the situations you're, you're going to see. And for us, that was really what was needed to make people faster, go to a wider in profile and a larger tires. Okay. And I guess the, the thing that comes in when you are moving into, into larger size tires, that there, there, there is a factor of weight, um, over a smaller tire, um, was it being able to counter those those things on weight? Were, were, did that signal the shift towards you guys experimenting with moving to a tubeless system so you can do away with the you know the, the excess weight of the inner tube, etc.? Uh, absolutely, you're completely right for sure. Like uh, one of the drawbacks, the penalty of going to a bigger tire is is uh, the weight penalty, uh, and that's where the rim really comes into um, into factor into into play because um, we've actually achieved a significant weight loss, weight reduction um, on the next uh, the newer generation of three or three wheels, both at Firecrest level and our new entry level three or three S. Because, um, for instance, the Firecrest level, we dropped about 300 grams in the, the wheel set for both wheels compared to the, the generation before. And, um, and you know, that is due to, to the newer construction of the wheel. That is due to the layup. But that is really due to um, the, the new manufacturing process with a, a hookless 
um, rim profile uh, that allow us to really revise the way we, we make rims. And we've gained so much weight, uh, so much control um, and all of the other benefits that come with hookless. Uh, thanks to this, that uh, for us, really, that's the solution. Because at the end of the day, if you compare the gain, the weight gain you, you do from the tire, um, I mean, the, the loss is, sorry, the, the tire is heavy, but the rim is a lot lighter. So at the end of the day, you end up with a lighter system overall. So uh, obviously now with hookless coming in and there's uh, there's been a lot of debate around hookless, um, a, lot, a lot of people talking the, the pros and cons, it's something that's been in mountain biking for a long time. And obviously pretty much every vehicle on the road uses a hookless tire system or all, all, all the cars out there, all the trucks, et cetera. Um, so it, it, there's, there's a proven technology there, but um, I think some of the benefits of, of hookless are um, probably not quite so well understood. You know, if you think of, um, uh, I, I think by the, by the simple shape of the design, they're actually, they're, they're tougher than a, a, a rim with a hook. Um, is that true? You know, there's there's so much I could say about about this, and uh, and and for sure, you're right. I see the pushback. I see people being concerned about this. You know, like, um, is it safe? Is it really approved? Am I? Is my tire gonna slip away? And and even if it's safe, what's what are the benefits for me? And I think there's so much to 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 gain. You know, with a hookless profile, that uh, for me, I, I really want to come out and and make sure people understand because. First, from a, a safety standpoint, you know, there's really no issue at all. Um, hookless has been approved by international committees. Hookless is part of ETRTO and, and there's a very precise set of dimensions that regulate the dimension of the rims and regulate the dimensions of the tires. And, uh, and that was approved by a committee formed by rim manufacturers and tire manufacturers. So, I mean, at least, you know, uh, that everything's safe. And, and of course, everything in our testing is proving that it's completely safe and reliable. So for us, I mean, there's, there's really no questions. But um, from a benefit standpoint, what are the advantages of running a hookless rims? I think it's uh, I think there's there's a lot and and very very significant benefits too in my opinion, and it really comes to the construction process of those hookless rims where we can use a hard tool made out of steel instead of um, soft tools like silicone mandrels to create the inside cavity of the um, of the rim. The hard tool is giving you a lot more control over your manufacturing process, so you at the end of the day you just make a better rim. The carbon fiber um, are, is compacted in a better way. It's not crooked uh, because of the hooks. So your rim is stronger. You don't have to push in as much resin uh, in order to make up for the manufacturing deficiencies. So basically, it's, uh, the rim is lighter as well. Uh, there's also tighter tolerances with a hard tool. Um, you have a lot more control, so you can really be super consistent in how you mold uh, that carbon rim. So the dimensions for the, the tire interface are very consistent and, and there's pretty much no variation in there. Um, no hooks also means there's a much cleaner transition between the rim and the tire. So from an aerodynamic standpoint, that transition, you know, that little notch in between the rim and the tire actually creates a lot of drag. And even if the tire is actually wider to start with, uh, and like your frontal aerodynamic is a little less at zero degree of yaw, because you don't have that notch in between the rim and the tire, you actually save quite a bit and the system ends up being more aero and faster. 
But really, the thing that's uh, that's really critical to uh, to yeah. customers, I think, is um, in terms of cost, because you have better control, your cost drops significantly, and we've been able to pass that savings to the customer. So at the end of the day, uh, the rims are lighter, stronger, safer, faster, and also quite a bit cheaper. So for me, it's it's win 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 for for at every point for the for the cyclists. So I guess um, uh, uh, I mean it's it's. It's so, somewhat remarkable to hear from a brand to say you've actually improved the product and, and it's been cheaper to make. Um, even rarer that that saving has now been passed on to onto us, the consumers. But the other thing that I've, I've found that was interesting when we were um, when I was doing some research about um, about Hookless um, was that you you were saying that um, it's actually a greener process as well. There's there's, there's much less carbon waste um, and there's much less obviously silicon waste because you're not having to make those silicon forms for every rim you produce this stainless steel form that you're using can make thousands and thousands of wheels so it's a it's a strange sort of side benefit but it's you know carbon manufacturing isn't the cleanest thing in the world but this has taken steps to actually make it cleaner. Uh, I think you hit it on the head right there, Warren. It's, um, you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't want to come on the record and say that carbon manufacturing is clean. Um, it is not, and there's still a lot of waste. But I think uh, hookless rim is a step in the right direction because just like you said, um, the silicone mandrel we use to make hooked rim is a single-use uh, mold. So we have to discard that after every rim, and that's a lot of waste. Whereas the, the hard tool can reproduce rim um, for the duration, the lifetime of the product. And uh, and the fact that you have better control, you, you have a lot less... Uh, what we call sacrificial material. You know, you don't use as much carbon, you don't use as much resin, so there's a little savings there as well. So it's still not the cleanest process, but it's definitely one step in the right direction, for sure. And so if we're moving back to to Hookless as a uh, as a system, I know you guys have done a huge amount of testing um, on things like tire retention because I think that's one of the things that, that people talk about is, well, if the tire does deflate, surely it's just going to roll off the rim because there's no hook to hold it on. But I think your, your testing has found it that's almost, there's a big counter argument to that. I mean, what sort of pressures are your rims able to take before like the tire will blow off, for instance? That's... That's uh, that's one of the key points that is misunderstood uh, misunderstood out there. Um, all of our hookless rims come with a maximum pressure of 73 psi, and because cyclists and and riders have been used to, or I guess educated to inflate as much as possible, like low, going to the the max pressure limit that's indicated on the tire, they are thinking, man, 73 psi for sure. There has to be some sort of risk. It's, uh, it's really not the case. Um, everything in our testing is basically showing that there's very little difference in tire retention between a rim with hooks and a rim that, uh, that is hookless. Uh, we, we, we have tested all of the, the most popular tires on the market from different brands on, the, on our rims, and, um, and we're, sure we're seeing a, a very small difference. And, you know... The, the, the blow of pressure that we're seeing, we're getting into, in the vicinity of 200 PSI. So it's largely above the 73 PSI. And, uh, and clearly the 73 for us is not a safety factor. We can, uh, as long as you have a good tire, and by good tire, I mean a tire that has 
tubeless or tubeless ready beads because that's really the critical point here the what ensures tire retention is not the hooks in the rim is how the beads of the tire are manufactured and if there's a good interface between the the tire and the rim but as long as you have that good interface um, then it doesn't really matter if the rim has hooks or no hooks now the one thing i want to say to finish this is uh I really do not advise people to run high pressure because everything in our study is saying that even though you could run higher than 73 PSI, it's really not what you want. Everything we're showing is that your tire and rim system, uh, what we call total system efficiency, is going to be more efficient for you if you run pressures lower than 73 PSI. So for us, 73 is not a safety factor. Everything is just as safe as anything else. But running lower pressure is how you increase um, your efficiency. For instance, someone like me, I'm about um, just under 80 kilos, under uh, 75 pounds. Uh, I'm running about uh, 70, 57 PSI on my front wheel, 60 PSI on the back on a 28C tire, uh, tubeless, of course. And that's the kind of pressure that you really want to uh, use uh, for improved rolling efficiency, cornering traction, and all of that vibration damping. It's it's just like mind blowing how how well it rides. I mean, I think there's there's obviously quite an element in that, isn't it? It's almost about we kind of need re-educating in in what what tire pressures mean now. You know, this is a completely new, new system. It's a it's a a different way of inflating a tire, and it it. it it means you know different different standards so that kind of old school thinking of i need to get three three digit psi into my tires if i want to go fast is is just not a not a thing anymore although it is really interesting to hear that you're getting in excess of 200 psi into into tires before they're even showing that they could blow off a rim i mean why anybody would ever want to do that but it's um that's a huge margin of error and that, that's all the points. I mean, obviously, um, if your tire walks off of the rim while you're riding, that can be a massive safety hazard, right? And and we don't want to put our customers um, in um, in harm's way. So we've done all sort of testing to 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 really show that everything's safe. And uh, and yes, if you wanted, you could put more air in your wheels, but really we don't advise that. Uh, we have this super nice uh, digital or, or tire pressure guide online. Uh, that people can use and, and really calculate how much air they need to put in their tires. Um, we know it's going to be a, a bit of an um, uphill battle if you want, because like you said, everybody's been used to, to, to inflate their tires so high for so many years that it's going to take time for people to only get used to the feeling of lower pressure. But um, really, like we can only encourage people to look into larger tires and lower pressure, um, especially if you're riding out there, you know, on, on smaller roads that are not super clean all the time. Uh, just give it a try, you know. Um, think about wider rims profile, bigger tires, lower pressure, and, and, and check what it's making for you because everything in the science says it's massive uh, gains in efficiency and, and that means you being faster at the end of the day. There was one last thing I, I really wanted to touch on, and it all stems back, really. I think to this. Um, I guess it's 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 consumer confidence in in tubeless uh, and by extension hookless. Um, we're seeing quite a few brands out there that are that are almost putting like recommended listings on on, on their websites for you know use our wheels with these tires or use our tires with these wheels 
etc etc and is i mean we spoke about this um obviously before before the podcast um and and i I guess it's that the it's almost like the international standards haven't quite caught up with the technology just yet but but you were you were kind of saying that you're you're working closely to to get all this standardized so are these listings a, a a very short-term solution um if you could explain what what it's sort of what's almost going on behind the scenes as it were the 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 situation on the standard side is uh, has been super confusing but the good news is it's really improved over the past year uh, I think those compatibility lists has, have really come from the fact that for the longest time there was not any sets of rules and regulation when it comes to tubeless on the road and that um, the companies doing tubeless had to pick up their own sets of dimensions, you know, uh, either revolving around mountain bike dimensions or just like figuring out, okay, what they think it needed to be. And because uh, there were very no nothing in terms of directions from regulating committees, um, then you have to really come up with those compatibility lists just to make sure that people are safe. Uh, the really good news is that as of last year, um, there's definitely is uh, a set of dimensions now for tubeless road, both with hooks and with hookless. And that applies to both rim and tire manufacturers, of course. So now that we have a norm, now that we have a set of dimensions, I really think the compatibility list are, are becoming irrelevant. I think we're still going to need to to have them for a short while, you know, when people get used to it. But over time, like as soon as every rim maker, every tire maker is like joins the set of dimensions that was decided in the uh, ETRTO, then I think uh, I think we're not going to have any compatibility issues anymore. As long as all rims and all tires comply, then everything's going to fit perfectly fine, and and we're going to come back to the same situation we see with clinchers. So that's really uh, that's really something we we try and do work with uh, all of the tire makers if possible, and all of the rim makers, and try to encourage everyone to. To, um, to come and make compliant products so that we remove that confusion uh, for for all uh, everybody out there, for our dealers, for our mechanics, for our uh, cyclists out there and, and make sure everything um, is fine. So it's uh, it's really something that we're pushing. It takes a lot of time, but uh, we, we really believe that's the, the discussion for the industry for sure. So I guess what it boils down to is... is um once the, the, all of these standards are adhered to, then everybody's going to reap the rewards of of what is a showing to be a better technology, a lighter technology, a cheaper technology, which um, is is very rarely heard. Um, and and one, you know, the, in the case of, of the way that you're manufacturing your rims, uh, it's also one that's that's uh, doing better than anybody else on on keeping things cleaner. <laughs> I think so. It's uh, th- there's a lot of things, and and you know one one of the things you were saying earlier that sometimes um, cyclists and and riders out there are a little, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say scared, but concerned about tubeless and wondering if it's right for them, and it's a little more complicated because you have to put some sealant and so on and so forth. And also uh, some of the things we hear is people saying, "I'm not really feeling the benefits of of tubeless. Why should I go tubeless?" And I think, of course, if you're running the same narrow rim and tires at the same high pressures, I don't know that tubeless is, is going to feel any different to you. Uh, I really think this new way of, of looking at rim and tire design, you know, with wide profiles and lower pressure, I think is really what opens up um, people to really feel what tubeless can do for them. 
and uh, and that's why we're really pushing for for peop- more people to try it because I think that's that's when you have that those low pressures, those wide profiles uh, that really support the tire. Even at low pressure, you're not feeling any squirm at all in the corners. Uh, that's really where you're going to start to really feel the benefits of tubeless over um, uh, clinchers and tubes. But um, I think it's important to to highlight that even if we strongly recommend uh, people to use tubeless or tubeless-ready tires on our hookless rims, just so that you have that strong, stiff bead that keeps the tire in place. If you're really concerned about tubeless and you want a tube in there, there's no problem with us. So you can still run a tube in a tubeless-ready tire, for instance, on a hookless rim, as long as the tire has the, the nice and strong beads. Okay, well, that's interesting to know. So if the worst happens when you're out riding and you get you know, you you spit a tire that that the sealant can't fix. You can pop a tube in there, and it's going to get you home. And that's yeah, well, that's really good to know. Well, I think we've probably covered most of what we need to on um, on what's out there, um, and the, the ever changing sort of face of of uh, wheel technology. Um, you've rolled out the hookless thing now across the the new three hundred three Firecrest and on the three hundred three S. How soon before it reaches the rest of the models in the range? <laughs> you know, we have a saying. Uh, we have a saying at Ram and Zip uh, about uh, always being interested in developing new components, right? Like you wouldn't imagine the directions and everything we're looking, at, we're thinking at in the future. So uh, uh, stay tuned on that, and uh, and I'm sure we'll talk again very soon. Thanks so much for your time, Bastian. And um, when you're ready to talk again about the new products, then um, I'll be here ready to listen. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks right. a lot for having me, Warren, and very happy to talk about it. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bike Radar.